Welcome to the Ed Newsstand Podcast. This is episode 9 of season 2, and this week's episode is the final episode in our look at digital citizenship resources. This week's episode spends some time looking at a book by Anna Homanyun entitled Social Media Wellness. I read the book this summer as part of a graduate course I was taking, and I've actually read it twice since this summer. The book is filled with great resources for educators and parents to help teens and tweens navigate life, time spent online, and how the two intertwine in the teen and tween's life. Here's how the back cover describes the book. Today's students face a challenging paradox. The digital tools they need to complete their work are often the source of their biggest distraction. Students can quickly become overwhelmed trying to manage the daily confluence of online interactions with schoolwork, extracurricular activities, and family life. Social Media Wellness is the first book to successfully decode the new language of social media for parents and educators and provide a pragmatic suggestion to help students manage distractions, focus and prioritize, improve time management, become more organized and boost productivity, and decrease stress and build empathy. With fresh insights and a solutions-oriented perspective, this crucial guide will help parents, educators, and students work together to promote healthy socialization, effective self-regulation, and overall safety and wellness. Let's dive in. In the book Social Media Wellness, there are eight chapters. The first three chapters are uh, a kind of an overview of what the book is going to be about, and there's a lot of information in those first three chapters. The later five chapters um, kind of break down in specifics what those first three chapters were after. So chapter one talks about landscape and what today's social media world looks like for tweens and teens. One of the big takeaways in chapter one are the three S's. And Anna Homanyun says the three S's are socialization, self-regulation, and safety. With socialization, teens have less time for social and emotional processing because school doesn't end at three o'clock. With self-regulation, she says the prefrontal cortex, the part that regulates impulse control and decision-making, isn't fully developed and the pleasure principle reigns supreme for teens. The final S is safety, and it talks about how we try to protect our teens and tweens in terms of social, emotional, and data privacy breaches. Chapter 2 is entitled Background, Where We've Been, Where We're Going, and Why It Matters. And a few of the big takeaways from Chapter 2 are that technology gives some young people the opportunity to connect and share in a way that they may not be comfortable doing in person. Technology also creates a false sense of intimacy and inclusion as the concept of online friends and followers have blurred the lines related to what constitutes friendship. And finally, Chapter 2 talks about feedback loops. Feedback loops create an environment in which teens make more decisions based on affirming and derogatory reactions from their greater online community. Chapter 3 is entitled Side Effects, Five Ways Social Media Affects Today's Tweens and Teens. The first side effect is altered expectations, and within altered expectations is the rabbit hole syndrome. Rabbit hole syndrome is never feeling as good as your peers as you are scrolling through different types of social media. In 2011, um, an adolescent psychologist diagnosed Facebook depression as a real thing, and a lot of this rabbit hole syndrome and altered expectations can um, create a fixed mindset within teens. Another social media effect is mixed messages. As um, parents and educators do as I say, not as I do, talks about putting away your digital devices at certain times uh, of the day or at night, whenever it may be, and uh, making sure that your message is consistent with students. Another side effect is information overload, the addictive design of apps and um, the online community. 
The fourth side effect is the on all the time mentality. Students have no time to be off to be able to think, process, and reflect, which causes exhaustion and increased stress and anxiety. The on all the time mentality also gives the new definition of networked publics. Those are online places that teens congregate where they might have been in person years ago. So for example, they may all congregate together through a Snapchat feed instead of heading to the mall or going to the local corner store, whatever it might be. So those are networked publics. And finally, the last social media effect is the all about the likes personal values development. A 2012 study found that teens want to be famous more than they want anything else in their life. And Eric Erickson provides the stages of psychological development for teens. And finally, it talks about different teen influences and choices. Chapter four lays out different ways that you can talk to your teen about realizing the choices that they make in their time and effort to make their time and effort more valuable and purposeful. They want the teens to realize that they have choices on how they spend their time and to recognize how their daily habits and interactions contribute to their energy levels and their intrinsic motivation. It also talks about how students are better at not multitasking, but monotasking, because even three seconds focusing on something else can double the chances of a student making a mistake, and that can be on their homework, on a test. So it talks about getting that cell phone or whatever that distraction might be outside of the student's room or life so that they can really focus on one thing at a time. Not watch TV or not watch their Netflix or not try to hold a text conversation, but really focus on the one thing at a time and get that done. Chapter five is entitled Academic Wellness, Organization, Compartmentalization, and Energy Management in the Age of Distraction. One of the biggest takeaways from this chapter was about digital organization. Anna says that you should be able to hand over your digital device and someone should be able to find whatever file you want them to find in under a minute. It also dives a little bit deeper into the altered expectations that we mentioned earlier. Tell students how to filter information and identify reputable resources, which is very key in today's society and how students are researching in the classroom. It provides students with a new technique for studying called the Pomodoro Technique, where they study for 25 minutes on and then take a five minute break. And it discusses how with students, they have a law of diminishing returns and the productivity, how that wanes the longer that they are working online. Chapter six is entitled Social and Emotional Wellness, encouraging students to be healthy online and in real life. One of the key points in chapter six talks about how students have an increased opportunity to make careless and reckless choices without consideration for long-term impacts and the expectation of instant gratification, how that undermines their patience and incremental progress toward their development. It provides students with the idea of filtering, how they filter out imperfections in everyday life and how they filter in positive experiences and filter out those toxic experiences. It talks about how communication between students becomes transactional when they are doing it online and becomes less personal. And students are oftentimes using their stream of consciousness communication. It gives the definition of the friendship bloat, how students oftentimes gain and feel like they have more friends because of the people that are following them or that they may be following. It discusses how when students spend an increased time online, that can contribute to an increased narcissistic behavior. And it discusses how communicating behind a screen decreases a student's empathy. Chapter seven is entitled Physical Wellness, Finding Balance in an Unbalanced World. One of the biggest things I found in this chapter was it said that users spend five hours a day on their phone and half of that they spend on their phone for less than 30 seconds. The chapter also talks about the promoting sleep, encouraging stress management, focusing on functional exercise, 
and understanding addiction, how to know the signs and get help. And finally, chapter eight is entitled Moving Forward, Implementing the Strategies at School and at Home. So if you are an educator, it provides you things to think about at school and reflect as a school whole. So if you are an administrator or you're on a leadership role team, it'll give you ideas for how to reflect as a school on moving forward, implementing those strategies throughout the book. If you are a parent reading this book, it provides you things to think about at home and how to reflect on the home front and implement the strategies that you've read about in this book. Thank you for listening this week. Please share your thoughts about this podcast by contacting me on the show page on Anchor FM or send me a message on social media. You can find me at Reynolds Troy on Twitter or at Ed Newstand on Instagram. The app for the podcast can be downloaded by going to ednewstand.glideapp.io and saving the app to your home screen. I encourage you to pick up the book, Social Media Wellness by Anna Homan Yoon. You can buy it wherever books are sold. It is an amazing read and I think something that will really help you, especially if you have a teen or tween in your life, it'll help them thrive in an unbalanced digital world, which is what the front cover says. It is absolutely amazing. I wish I could send a copy to everybody who's listening. I encourage you to check out any of the resources from the past newsletters, especially in this five-part series that we did on digital citizenship. We will switch gears next week, so please tune in. We will look at the technology tool Edpuzzle. Until next time.